Hello and welcome to the Uncredible Adventures podcast with me, your host, Cornelius. I'm really pleased that you're choosing to spend this time with me. If you listened to the episode last week, I did promise a special double bill starting this week and I must apologise. I've been unexpectedly called out to Barcelona on work. And the episode I had planned is a big one. It's something very highly personal to me, something I really want to get right. And I certainly will be spending the time that I'm on the plane or at the airport in planning and prepping for that. But I didn't want to try and rush myself to get it recorded. Uh, I want to take my time on that one. So we've got a different episode for you instead. Uh, A really good one nonetheless. Quite a funny one. This really is a story-based episode recounting some of the things that have happened to me and some of the stories that I've been told over the years. So please make yourself comfy, whatever you're doing. Now's your time to relax a little bit, spend a little bit of time on this incredible adventure with me. So when I first moved to the countryside in Dorset, one of the first people that I made friends with was a local doctor. Proper old-fashioned country GP, imagine wearing uh, various items of tweed every day. You wouldn't be surprised if you came in to see him and he'd be wearing wellies in his surgery. He used to drive around in a muddy old Land Rover and he had a really wicked sense of humour. He told some brilliant stories, but there was one that always stuck in my mind in particular. And he used to tell me about when he was a young doctor... And he got called on a house call to a lady that he's not visited before. Really bright, warm summer's day. And he went, knocked on the door, went into the lady's house and she led him through to the back room where the patio doors were wide open to let some of the fresh air in. And this lady was very elderly and she lost a lot of mobility and she was struggling with with various things. But she'd absolutely not lost the sense of being house-proud and the sense of being proper and taking care of herself. And it was a beautifully immaculate house with antimacassars on, <laughs> on every chair and doilies on every surface. She, it, and it was clear this lady took a great deal of pride in looking after her, her space and looking after her home. And my doctor friend was talking to her for a a little while when a rather mangy-looking dog sauntered in through the open patio doors and started walking slow loops around the room. And the lady, he could see her watching it out the corner of her eye, but she didn't talk about it, she didn't say anything, so he decided just to ignore the dog as well and carry on talking to her. And the dog started walking round and round on one spot, which was between the sofa that he was sitting on and the chair that the lady was sitting on, and eventually started scratching the floor a little bit. And the next thing, he was squatting, starting to shake and laid, well, I'm not even going to say what it is, but you know exactly what the dog put on the carpet. And this was really quite surprising for the doctor because the dog had been telegraphing what it was going to do for quite a while. The whole time the lady had been completely ignoring it and he could sort of see her eyes slightly twitching, but she wasn't looking at the dog, she wasn't referring to it. She was trying to pretend it wasn't happening. And as this dog did its business and this foul stench filled the room, my doctor friend started to worry and he started to think, oh, maybe we've got something going on here that he's not aware of maybe there's some dementia or maybe uh, some other way that this lady is struggling because she didn't acknowledge at all she didn't try and stop the dog she didn't tell the dog off for what it was doing she let it do its business the dog wandered off around the back of the sofa and sort of curled up on the floor and went to sleep 
and they both sat there completely ignoring this steaming pile of mess that was between the chairs. And my doctor friend, he didn't want to embarrass this lady. It was clear that she was trying to pretend it wasn't happening. So he just carried on the consultation and it was a little bit stilted, but they got to the end of it. He helped her anyway and he wished her well. And he thought when he goes back, he's going to perhaps raise the issue that she might be a bit more support. So he got up to go. He thanked her. And just as he was leaving the room, the little lady turned to him and she said, Doctor, are you going to take your dog with you? And the doctor immediately realised that this wasn't this lady's dog at all. This was a random dog that somehow had got through to her garden, had walked in through the open doors, <laughs> laid a turd on the floor, and she thought it was his dog the whole time, been too polite to say anything to embarrass the doctor. He thought it was hers. The whole time this random dog that neither of them knew had <laughs> just laid a mess on her carpet. It's one of my all-time favourite doctor stories, and apologies that we've gone so lowbrow so quickly, but I wanted to share that one with you. Rest assured, the rest of the episode is far cleaner as ever. There's no swearing, there's nothing that's likely to offend you. <laughs> you can probably hear my, my lisp is a little bit worse than it usually is, and I've got a tiny little ulcer or, or salt blister on the tip of my tongue. It's that tiny little needle prick of pain that just reminds you how many times your tongue sort of hits onto the back of your teeth as you talk in normal life. A type of minor inconvenience that that drives you wild for the whole time you've got it and then suddenly one day it's gone and you didn't even notice that it went. I remember years and years ago when I had an ulcer and I managed to buy in the pharmacy what looked like, basically it was a cotton bud But in the the plastic tube that you'd have on a cotton bud was filled with like a red liquid. And what you did was you cracked it and then the cotton end of the bud soaked with this red liquid. And it was something really vicious because you dab it onto the ulcer and it burned like hell, like really, really stung. Um, It would send your eyes like rolling in your skull and the most sharp pain you've ever had. But you pulled it off and... You'd be completely numb where the ulcer was and it'd be gone the next day. I don't remember what it was called and I don't remember where I got it from. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, please tweet me. I'm on Twitter at UncrediblePod or Instagram at UncrediblePodAdventures. What, what is this stuff? I've never been able to find it. The closest I've got is my grandma used to tell me, you've got to rub salt in. You, you need to lick your finger, put a bit of salt on the table, dip your finger in so you've got to salt encrusted finger and then sort of grind that into the ulcer again stings like hell but helps to heal it up fairly quickly but this ulcer as well as making me just aware of the movement of my tongue at every single moment of the day made me think about teeth and and everything to do with teeth and that's what i'm going to talk about in this episode i've actually maybe a surprise doesn't fit the stereo tight perhaps for some of our American listeners but I've got fairly good teeth they're not bad at all we were pretty regimented growing up making sure that you brushed your teeth twice a day and went to the dentist regularly which the older I get or or not the older I get but since I've had kids the more amazing that is to me because there's nothing worse I've got two small toddlers at the moment and trying to brush children's teeth when you don't want to do it they don't want you to do it they 
they're wriggling, they're moaning, you're trying to get their toothbrush in their mouth and they will bite down on it or won't hold it open or they're moaning. My children have got something about mint. They say, oh, it's too spicy. I don't like this spicy one. So they're always moaning. We have to buy them strawberry flavored toothpaste. It's one of those battles, and I'm, I'm sure you have it if you have kids, but you just have to do it. And it is, there's a really important lesson in there that you're teaching your children about sometimes and sometimes being twice a day you have to do things that you don't enjoy for a bigger purpose for a for a better outcome and for something that you do want and when when i think back to being a kid and the dentist that we had i don't know whether this was as unusual as it sounds or whether this is fairly commonplace again hit me up let me know but the dentist we had when we were children his dental surgery was literally in the back room of his house so he had a residential house he used to go in just a normal front door he'd knock on the door and someone would open it maybe it might be him might be one of his kids might be his wife and you'd walk through and there wasn't a waiting room so if you were early you'd just go and sit in the living room the front room so you'd sit on the sofa and someone might be in there watching tv or hanging around whatever you do in the front room but you'd wait in the front room and then the back room, he had it set up as his dentist surgery. So he had a proper chair, but it was kind of, it wasn't a, a sterile medical place like the dentist seems to be now. It was, it had a carpeted floor and it had curtains and, and all the rest of it. And everyone I knew went to this guy. So I guess it wasn't that strange. Did you, did you, do you remember that front room dentist? Was that a thing when you were growing up? <laughs> Is that just me? I don't know. This This guy, eventually, I read in the paper he got struck off for doing unnecessary dental work he was filling and refilling teeth that didn't need fillings i don't know how he got caught but eventually it caught up with him i guess the the contract he had with the nhs was that he got paid so much per filling he did so whether you needed them or not you'd get them done having said that he never did a filling on me i've got one filling that i had put in when i was about 23 I always remember the horror, though, of, of going to the dentist as a kid. And it was it was worse than parents' evening. It was like getting your school report, only you had no idea what was going to be in it. And this dentist was particular. There was something a bit sinister about him. And I remember he used to say, I see you. You walk past my house on the way home from school. And I see you out the window drinking fizzy drinks and eating sweets every day. When I was little, I took that really, literally, I think he meant you as in kids generally, but I always used to have that eerie hair sticking up on the back of my neck feeling whenever I walked past on my way home from school, thinking that somewhere behind that neck curtain, the dentist was watching me. And I used to make a real point of when I, if I did have a snack or a drink, I would hide it. I'd make sure I'd carry it on the other side of my body and make sure that he would never see it as I was walking past his house. And I, like I said, I, n I never actually had to give me a feeling because my teeth couldn't mean that bad. But if anything, I always got the vibe. I think that wound him up a bit more. He didn't, they were, my teeth weren't perfect, but they weren't bad enough that he was going to make any money off giving them fillings. So it's always a begrudging. He'd give me a bit of a telling off and make sure he told my mum and get me in trouble. Despite the fact that before we had to go to the dentist, I would brush my teeth, you know, 10 minutes solidly trying to brush, like, make up for months of abuse and neglect and give him a, you know, I, I used to, and it's crazy the things you do as kids. I remember when I was old enough to to brush my teeth on my own, 
but young enough that I had to be reminded to do so, I definitely would just go in and run the tap in the bathroom and stand there for a couple of minutes. Maybe even some of the time I'd even just eat a little bit of toothpaste so that I had it on my breath. All of that just to avoid brushing your teeth. Well, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what goes through your head. But this dentist, you know, all the he did all the tricks in the book. He'd get his metal hooks and tools out and stab you in the junk in the gums and poke around and scrape and scratch until he managed to get some blood coming out and then he'd say see that blood you say yeah he said that's because you don't your gums aren't healthy that's because you're not brushing your teeth properly i used to think no that's because you just poke me with a metal prod what what are you talking about so when i got a little bit older i got a a different dentist a proper dentist uh, as in had an actual dental surgery with a sign and everything that wasn't just in someone's house and had polished floors and things like that. Lovely Australian lady. And she used to say to me that that if you look at the evolution of humans, what's happened at each stage of evolution is that we basically have less teeth. So when we were much more ape-like, you'd have loads of teeth and gradually over uh, millennia, over thousands of years or, or millions of years, that's been whittled down to the teeth that we have now. And actually I've got naturally got teeth missing. So the, my bottom row on either side at the back, I've only got six teeth on each side, so 12 in total. I don't have my sevens and I don't have my bottom wisdom teeth for some random reason I don't know. But I always remember once this dentist told me about evolution and how you have fewer teeth uh, or or the further back you go in human evolution, the more teeth people have. I always used to tell people, I was quite convinced that this is you're looking at the next stage in evolution. I'm one step ahead. The teeth that I've got now is the pinnacle of humankind. But this dentist was kind and she did some of the same tricks, but she was really nice. I remember one time when she was doing a bit of minor work and she said in such a a calm and lovely voice, she said, you know that cotton swab that you're biting down on there? I said, yeah. She said, well, that's my finger. (laughs) Anyway, so I've got this ulcer now and that's quite rare for me, but... For a period of my life, I think from about the ages of 18 up until about five years ago, I used to suffer terribly with things in my mouth. So I would have tonsillitis, bang on cue, about once every three months, I'd have a flare-up of terrible tonsillitis, that awful burning, swollen tonsils and fever and all the rest of it, each time worse than the last and my scarred and torn up tonsils and I never had them taken out because I didn't start getting tonsillitis until I was an adult and apparently it's quite a big operation when you're a child they can whip them out fairly easily but when you're an adult it's quite a big operation so I've still got my tonsils I also used to suffer related I'm sure from ear infections would always have a middle ear infection or some kind of pain or something there And, and actually I'm partially deaf in my in both ears but my left ear in particular is bad and I'm sure it's related to these constant ear infections which is related to the tonsillitis and it was one of these things just a regular recurring medical problem that you just put up with you try not to think about too much and you just have it that was right up until I, I think this must be about five years ago and I was in the pound shop 
and they sold a little kit of dentist tools that had like a a little mirror on a stick and a, a little spiky thing that you can use to make your own gums bleed to prove that you you don't have healthy gums and all the rest. And I bought that. I can't remember why. I think perhaps to look at my tonsils that were struggling at some point and I wanted to to try and get a better look. But what I noticed is, I said earlier, I haven't got wisdom teeth on the bottom or my sevens, but I do on the top, or I did on the top. I had two wisdom teeth on the top, and I, I caught sight of them in this mirror, and I was really shocked by what I see, because all of my teeth are pretty good, apart from these two wisdom teeth, which were sort of, they were grey-coloured, and they, they looked rotten to me. They looked terrible. I didn't have a dentist at the time i haven't had a regular dentist since i was a child it's virtually impossible to get one again since since covid i I haven't had a dentist and i can't get in to see one now but i went to the dentist and he said what what are you seeing me for and i said well i I used a little mirror and i spotted my wisdom teeth and they're completely rotten they're they're really bad can you have a look so he had a look and I, i don't remember exactly what he said but he said okay yep they don't look great he said they, they've not got the normal type of decay you get. So normal decay you would get would be would result in individual holes, which is where you get toothache and you have to have filling. He said this is kind of a breakdown of the entire surface, which is quite shallow and, and not as serious as normal decay, but it does add up over time and, and might cause other problems. So he said, yeah, we should we should take those out. So book in get the next appointment which is in a couple of weeks you need an hour we'll take them out we can just do it here with a local anesthetic won't take too long we'll have them out so i booked it in a couple of weeks later and i thought well, here we go gonna get my wisdom teeth out nothing to worry about i'd never been too worried about the dentist before i'd only ever had one filling in my life so i had never had a bad experience i'd always had kind and gentle dentists or someone's dad in their back room who didn't do any dental work on me but i made the mistake and i promise you if you're awaiting any kind of dental work do not do which i did which was the day before I started to get really interested like how is he I couldn't really understand how is he going to get these teeth out of my head what it, you know what is it a big pair of pliers that he reaches in and tugs them out how does it work so I went on YouTube and I searched on YouTube for wisdom tooth removal and spent a really unpleasant afternoon watching videos of people having their wisdom teeth removed uh, and it's a beautiful but a savage process that effectively they get like a looks like a flathead screwdriver and just jam it in behind the tooth and then twist it and try and it sort of cracks the tooth apologies i said there was nothing that was going to worry you i I think people really hate the dentist but this episode's only going to get worse so apologies for that but yeah i watched how they, they crack these wisdom teeth out and then pull them out and then somehow the worst bit was the local anesthetic so the injection they give for the local anesthetic and I can't describe what it was, but there was something that absolutely stuck in my head was watching the video of this needle just slowly inching towards someone's gum and can't help but think how tender and it doesn't even see the light of the day, light of day, does it? The roof of your mouth. And to see this needle sort of inching its way towards it, I could watch the video make me feel it now. I could feel that needle going in and I really started to obsess over it. 
And then the day before I was due to go to the dentist, we had a friend round who'd had her teeth removed. And I told her exactly the same story that I'm telling you now. I said, oh, I've got my teeth. got to have my wisdom teeth removed. And I watched these videos. And she started saying, oh, be careful. You've got to be careful. I had mine out. Should I got a dry socket? Dry socket is the worst. Whatever you do, don't get a dry socket. And I said, what's a dry socket? And essentially, this is where if you have a tooth removed, you get like a blood clot that, that forms basically like a scab over the, the hole in your jaw where the tooth was. And underneath that scab, there's good blood supply and it's moist and your body can really work to, to fill the hole and keeps any infection out and to heal over. And a dry socket's when you do something so smoking can cause it or sucking something too hard or um, eating something too rough or, or being in, in the, the hours and the days after you've had a tooth extraction there's various things and, and a lot of the advice they give you for what you should and shouldn't do is based around trying to avoid getting this dry socket because if you remove that scab it's really hard for the body to heal that hole and it comes with a huge amount of pain discomfort infection all the rest so and, and my friend had experienced that and she was telling me oh whatever you do don't get a dry socket and in between the wonder that is the modern world youtube and confiding in a friend i turned myself into a complete dental phobic i was i was terrified of going to a dentist and or i'd never even thought about it before it really became a big deal nevertheless i, I dragged myself along and i went in the dentist was lovely and he sat me down in the chair and he had a look and he said, OK, I'm going to inject you now with some local anaesthetic. And then we'll leave that for about 15 minutes for that to set in. And then we'll check that you're all numb. And if you're numb, we'll go ahead and we'll do your tooth extraction. And as he, ca as he came in to start doing this injection all i could think about was the videos i'd watched the videos where that needle inches slowly towards your gum and pierces it and it was the most pleasant moment of my life and the injection didn't really you can't really feel them it's a tiny little scratch if you know you wouldn't think twice if you didn't know what's happening but when you do know what's happening and when you're picturing it in your head and when you're thinking about it and thinking about what's coming next and oh in a moment he's going to crack my teeth out and what about a dry socket i started to really panic and i had what was i, I now have, have found out was a panic attack but I never experienced anything like that in my life before. The the other thing that I found out is that what they inject you with is a mixture of, of a couple of things. And the two main ones is lidocaine or something similar to lidocaine, which is a very, very effective anesthetic. So that completely numbs the area. But the other thing that's in the injection is adrenaline. The reason that adrenaline is in the injection is because one of the th effects it has on the human body is that it's a vasoconstrictor. So it constricts all your blood vessels and reduces blood flow. And that's really, really useful when you're applying a local anesthetic like lidocaine, using the adrenaline in there to stop the blood flow basically means that the anesthetic that's been injected stays where it is longer you don't have blood coming in and, and picking it up and spreading it to other parts of the body so you have a much more localized numbing 
but let's not forget it is adrenaline and adrenaline is your fight or flight hormone it's your it's highly stimulating it's the when you have a panic attack it's it's adrenaline is the probably the main hormone that's involved in raising your heart rate in making you feel worried in making you feel anxious in making you feel alert that something terrible is about to happen so that my natural fear and my worry that I'd had was then compounded by the fact that I got this little shot of adrenaline and I silently lying on this chair while the dentist went off and did something else after he'd injected me was suffering from a horrific panic attack but I just tried to hold it together so I you know I, I shut my eyes and I held onto the side of the chair and I thought I just counted my breaths I was breathing in breathing out trying to stay calm trying to stay calm and I got an overwhelming feeling like I was going to be sick and all I was doing was you know that awful feeling when you feel it welling up and it's coming in waves and then it goes back and I was just concentrating on keeping that feeling at bay and breathing and the dentist came back didn't he didn't notice I was struggling and he said let's you know can let's test this out can you feel this and you poked my gums or whatever he did and I said no I can't feel a thing it's completely numb and he said okay let's start work so I was still in a very heightened state of 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 horror and feeling terrible at the moment when he started to to to, to take my teeth out and I'm not going to not going to go on about this bit because I this is probably terrible listening for some people but that bizarre feeling where you can't feel directly what's happening but you can feel through the other parts of your skull and your head you can feel every movie makes you can feel these big cracks as he go it's, it's totally the only thing i think if you never had it and you want to try and imagine what that feels like to not be able to feel the pain if you imagine if you put your teeth on on a table and then someone on the other side of the table starts knocking it wouldn't be painful but you can feel that like reverberating around your whole brain it was exactly like that and as he was doing it this feeling of that i was going to be sick just took over everything to the point where i I started to get tunnel vision I could the the room was graying out I could barely see in front of me I was absolutely convinced that I was going to vomit I, and I was you know to the point that I was almost holding it back and there was this huge kind of what I didn't want was to delay things I wanted it over I wanted the guy just to get this tooth out because I thought there is no if I stop him if I say look stop I can't deal with this if I get out this chair I'm never getting back in the chair I'm never going to be able to sit here and come back and say okay let's have a go do the injection again it's not going to happen so I knew more than anything else I just had to put up with this experience and get out the other side but I also was sure at this point that I was going to be sick and then I started to think well what he's going to take my teeth out I'm going to have these open exposed wounds where I've where I've had my teeth out and then I'm going to be sick and the idea I'm sorry again the idea of being sick into these open wounds in my mouth I thought that is going to if that doesn't cause dry socket I don't know what will this is going to be terrible and I was lying there and eventually he finished he said right we're all done do you want to rinse your mouth so I kind of rinsed my mouth and he said okay 
you're all done, you know, take the glasses off that I had. And he took the bib off me and I rinsed my mouth. I think he gave me something to, to bite down on. And I just needed to get out of that chair. And I stood up and I was absolutely drenched in sweat. Like my T-shirt was was drenched through. It looked like I'd stood in a shower. I was slightly swaying because the room was starting to go a bit black. And the, at that point, the dentist noticed and he looked at me and he said, whoa, whoa, okay, sit down, sit down on the floor. And he <laughs> and he called for the assistant and they and I sat down on the floor. He said, like, lie flat, lie flat on the floor. And, so he, and I was so relieved at that point that he'd noticed and was taking control. And I did, and I, it's, it's ridiculous. What is it, shyness or timidness or... Whatever it was that I was too scared to say to him, I'm not doing okay. I was so relieved that he'd noticed. So I was lying on the floor while he he frantically started rifling through my notes. And I could see he was, what I found out later, he was looking for the page where I'd written if I was allergic to anything or not. And I I imagined for a few seconds there, he thought, oh my goodness, if I, because he didn't even look at the notes beforehand. He just went straight into it. And I think he was probably panicked about what he might see when he read through the notes. Nevertheless, I remember him shouting, we need glucose, we need glucose. And they started bringing me some, um, sugary some kind of sachets that they put in a cup that was like a sugary drink that I had to drink and I was lying on the floor and gradually my breathing slowed down and I still felt terrible and shaky but I started to feel all right and he said how are you feeling and I said oh I'm fine sorry and I was so embarrassed so embarrassed that I you know I here I was lying on the floor in the dentist like what how ungracious how terrible that was and and worse than that I'd worried this guy I'd made him panic and and somehow to me that was an even worse outcome than than me being panicked so I stood up and he said whoa whoa, steady on I said no no I'm fine I'm fine and I went out to the waiting room and I tried to sit in the chair and I started to feel a bit dizzy again and I could hear the dentist coming out and going to reception to say oh this guy here he's had a bit of a funny turn and I knew I couldn't deal with it so I got up and I walked and I went into the toilet and I locked myself in the toilet and I rang my partner because I didn't know what I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize I was completely white with just black rings around my eyes I looked terrible I was drenched through with sweat I was shaking I still felt like I was going to be sick and I rang my partner and she answered and I was kind of sobbing and I said I need you to come to the dentist you've got to get me and she said what's going on and I said I've locked myself in the toilet and I can't come out because they're all going to look at me and she started laughing I said this isn't a joke I need you to pick me up please I don't know what's going on I was just completely in panic and then they started knocking on the door Mr. Uncredible, Mr. Uncredible, Cornelius are you in there are you okay sir sir can you open the door they all thought I'd gone into the toilet to collapse and they, I could hear them starting to, you know, they, they were next thing. They were going to kick down the door, and I was stuck in this moment. I, I you know, we, I'm fine, I'm fine. They said, can you open the door, sir? Please open the door. They were so worried about me. So I had to open the door to the whole dentist surgery, the dentist and the nurses and the receptionists all there, just to top off my humiliation. And I, the nurse, like, held my hand and walked me through to reception and they sat me down in a chair and they brought me a cup of tea. 
and they were all being so nice to me and I started to feel all right I started to recover and then really the shame of the whole thing that's when it really started to sink in I started to think oh my goodness what a exhibition I'm making myself what am I doing and here's the strange result this is the outcome you remember me saying at the beginning of the podcast that since I've been an adult throughout my life I've suffered from tonsillitis on the dot every three months set your clock by it tonsillitis and ear infections and all the rest of it well actually since I had my wisdom teeth taken out I have had no occurrences of tonsillitis I've had no ear infections at all it's been about four or five years now that I've been completely free from both now I'm never I didn't ever go back to the dentist to have this confirmed, but I'm sure that 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 can't be a coincidence. Absolutely. Somehow having my wisdom teeth in was causing me to have all sorts of other issues. And although it was very embarrassing and very traumatic experience, absolutely the best decision I made to have them taken out that day. And of course, the the best part of the entire story was I eventually got out of the dentist all right and I've never been back so I never have to see any of those people again as long as I live hopefully but the best part of it was of course because I'd rung my partner and, and asked her to come and rescue me she was then standing willing and able to to laugh at me and rip it out of me forevermore and I, I will never be able to live it down in my own house so I'm sharing it with you I'm making it public knowledge I'm going to own it I had a panic attack at the dentist, which was horrific, by the way. If you are someone that suffers from panic attacks or has done, you have my absolute heartfelt sympathy because I have never experienced anything like that in my life and I hope I never do again. So that's my dentist story and I'm absolutely fastidious about my dental health now I don't go to the dentist very much or I haven't at least since we've been in lockdown but I'm really carefully brush my teeth I floss I use mouthwash the lot because I don't ever want to get to the point in my life when I'm having regular dental care because I don't have a great history with it <laughs> you have but you've probably noticed actually that I do I have got a lisp I've got a speech impediment and that primarily is, although I've just I've been saying that I've got pretty good teeth, I do, apart from my, my bottom two front teeth, we used to, when I was in sixth form, so the alternative to going to college is, is to stay on at school the ages 17 and 18 and, and do your A-levels or do an MVQ. We used to have a sixth form common room and me and the boys used to play a game, it's called Murder Ball. And the rules to Murder Ball were really simple. You, you started with a ball you split yourself into two teams and you score a point by touching the ball and you have to be holding it and you have to push it onto the wall at one end of the room and the other team has to press and hold the ball and press it to the ball, wall on the other end of the room and other than that there are absolutely no rules whatsoever you can throw it you can kick it you can um, use physical contact you can use use weapons or, or as anything as much as you would dare to do within the the confides of of not breaking any laws and that was and it was absolutely brilliant we used to get really really involved in that it was very friendly fun wrestling we would like you know, body slam each other into chairs and 
and all sorts of brilliant fun. But I remember we, we were playing one game of Murder Ball and during the melee, someone stood up and they, they stood up and the top of their head went crashed right into the bottom of my jaw and jammed my bottom teeth up into my top teeth. And it just chipped the corner off one of my bottom teeth. And I went to the dentist because it was really sharp and, and it was odd to have a little chip there. And they, they built it back up. They put some white stuff on that. You can't even see it's there, but they basically built a new false corner. But it's got a very slightly different shape, I guess, or it's slightly bigger. Or I don't know exactly what it is, but whatever it was from that day, I've had this little lisp. And it's, it's all about this little built up bit on my tooth. I also, at that point, I lost the ability to whistle. So I used to be able to stick two fingers in my mouth or four fingers in my mouth and do a really good, you know, like a shepherd's whistle. Like whoosh. Completely lost that when they um, rebuilt this front tooth. I've got one more tooth-related story. It's more of an observation. I didn't know this could happen, and it blew my brain. It, it, it stands to reason, but if you've ever had a dog or a puppy... Puppies have milk teeth, same as humans do, and their milk teeth fall out in the same way that our human teeth do, and they they grow older teeth. Now I never realised that, and I, I did. I had a dog, and one day I'm going to write an episode or a couple of episodes about this dog. He's the most was the most wonderful boy that ever lived. I loved him absolutely dearly and one day when I'm feeling up to it I talk about him he's not with us anymore he's a German shepherd and I didn't know that they lost their teeth in the same way I, I did know that a puppy German shepherd they call them land sharks they're terrible they bite like nobody's business they've got really sharp little needle sharp teeth and they not not an aggressive type of way it's just the way they play and they don't know what they're doing they bite and it's pretty horrific having a baby German shepherd in the house because they constantly bite and especially when they're teething but I remember this lovely dog we had I'm not going to name him I'm going to save it all for a, a proper episode where I talk about him but he's not with us now and one of his canine teeth came out quite a quite one of the bigger teeth and I think generally they just swallow them they come out when they're eating and they swallow them but this one came out and it landed on the stairs and I found it and I've got this tiny little milk tooth from when he was a baby puppy which I keep with the milk teeth from my children and it is one of my it's one of the one of the few physical reminders I have of this wonderful boy uh, what a what a treasured possession but yeah you might be interested to hear that 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 dog's teeth fall out and you can find them and keep them if you're lucky it, it surprised me but yeah i've got pots and pots of children's teeth all mixed up i don't know whose is whose i don't know where where they where they came from or who they belong to i'm not not sure it's really important i don't know what you're meant to do with them because of course we do the we do the tooth fairy so the whole legend of the tooth fairy the tooth comes out and you put it under your pillow and the tooth fairy would come and leave you some money. Really, really inconsistent in this house. We don't have a very strong tradition with it. So the amount of money you get is entirely dependent on what, what feels appropriate on the day. And more than once, I have completely forgotten about it. So the child has gone to bed, put their tooth under their pillow 
we've forgotten to go and take the tooth and put some money under there when the child's asleep, they wake up, reach under their pillow, see their tooth is still there, the tooth fairy hasn't come, come through in floods of tears and you immediately know that you are not just the worst parent that ever existed, but the worst human being that's ever existed to let your child down such a deep fundamental level to to destroy their trust in humanity and the world and justice. But luckily, I'm pretty sneaky and kids are really, really stupid. So on more than one occasion, I've forgotten to do the tooth fairy. And on more than one occasion... I've, I guess, I, I guess I've gaslighted my kids. I don't know, but I've said, "Oh, really? The tooth fairy? I can't believe the tooth fairy didn't come. Let's go and look." And in the process, go and slip a pound coin under there and get rid of the tooth. I said, "Are you sure? Have another look. Why don't you go and have a look now?" And the kid, of course, goes and looks, and oh, look, it's got, it's got a coin under there. And everyone lives happily ever after completely dastardly but i'm sure i'm not the only one that has done that i'm sure there's there's people that have done much much worse and that's of course when they're really little and then when they when they you know when you got a when you got a 12 year old that's got one tooth that's still at you know his last tooth comes out you don't care about it at all even the kid doesn't care it's like oh another one gone but at that point you need to just cut out the middle man and just give him a fiver i think but yeah i can't that's i thought it's really odd isn't it? having a collection of body parts a collection of teeth in your house from various people just in a pot i didn't keep my wisdom teeth I, I, i'm sure i could have i'm sure if i'd asked for them i could have kept them I, I can't think of anything worse as a memento but that's not it does strike me and i've just realized this now that i have got from my four-year-old so my third child my four-year-old being born in the freezer i've got about five inches of umbilical cord in a plastic bag <laughs> and I, I and i can't i can't so what happened was we when when he was born there was a train we had a trainee paramedic in the room and the midwife and me and my partner she was obviously giving birth to him and we had a really good conversation. We were chatting and the midwife was telling us about people that like to keep the afterbirth, people that like to keep the, the placenta and they do various, dry it and eat it in tablets or do various things with it. And it, it, it sounds quite odd to me, but I got more and more intrigued. And as the, the sort of labour wore on and you get more sleep deprived and all the rest of it, I started to think, do you know what? I want to keep it like that's, what, what, when am I going to get another chance in my life to own a placenta and I don't really know what I want to do with it but I want to keep it so I started talking to the midwife saying oh yeah could, I'd like can we have it after can we keep it and she said yeah of course you can you know people do help yourself and then when it got to the point that we'd had the baby and you had the rush of emotions and it's all over and the midwife was sorting through the Plenty all the rest and she said do you do you still want this do you want me to bag it up and of course i didn't know we've got a baby now i don't i'd kind of completely forgotten that part that we get to go home with the baby i said no i don't want it anymore but i i still remembered the part of me that did want a piece of placenta even though he didn't know why so i said actually can i just have a bit of the umbilical cord she said yeah sure so she cut off about five inches wrapped it in a in a plastic bag and I took it home, I put it in the freezer, and it's been in there ever since. And now I don't know what to do with it because it 
doesn't feel I, I, I can't what he what he perhaps I'm being hopelessly sentimental here. In fact I'm sure I'm being hopelessly and terribly and unforgivably sentimental here, but I can't think of a single thing to do with this placenta. Like I I can't just chuck it. I don't I'm certainly not gonna eat it or anything. I never was, but definitely not after it's been in the freezer for five years. <laughs> mixed with everything else in there. But also but I, I can't bear to chuck... I don't want to chuck it away. Just chuck it in the bin? No, I can't chuck it in the bin. I can't flush it down the toilet. I think perhaps I need to bury it in the garden or something. Um, which might make quite an interesting title to a story about how I've been in the garden burying human remains. <laughs> Watch this space on that one. Has anyone else got this problem with anyone else? I'd, well, someone might. We've got quite a lot of listeners, so let me know. If you've got human remains around your house, you've got you got teeth from your kids what else have you got any odd bits of human remains that you've hung on to that you probably shouldn't have and that is just about all we've got time for this week like i said i've got a big episode planned for for the next two weeks i'm really excited to bring those to you i had to this was uh, a story that i've thought about for a long time and i had to come up with it fairly quickly i hope that was an interesting episode for you i hope you got a few laughs out of it Apologies if you don't like dentists. Well, in fact, I don't, you know, actually, does anyone actually like dentists? I'm not sure I've ever met anyone that likes dentists, but apologies if you have a very strong dislike to dentists. That was a painful episode. Let me know about it. You can find me on Twitter at UncrediblePod. You can find me on Instagram, which is at UncrediblePod. You can find me on Facebook, which is at I Don't Know. If you search Uncredible Adventures, I'm sure it will come up on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to hear your stories about the... Uh, everyone's got a good dentist story, haven't they? I'd love to hear about your worst or your best visit to the dentist. I'd love to hear, have you got any human remains in your house? You can either let me know anonymously if it's uh, if it's really serious or maybe something minor. Have you got a, some human remains in your house? Let me know. Find me on Twitter. Let's start the conversation. Quick shout out to say that earlier this week we were number eight in the iTunes UK stand-up comedy podcast chart. And that is thanks to all of you that have subscribed, all of you that listen, all of you that have shared the show and recommended it. So thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. I've been Cornelius. This is Uncredible Adventure. (laughs) 